0: Hi, everyone. My name is Ari, and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So, welcome, welcome, welcome to another wonderful episode of Made of Metal. So glad to have you back with us. So, let me just start off by saying last week was my birthday. I think I told you guys in the previous episode I did. So, I went to Colorado, did a lot of screaming like good screaming though, not scared screaming, like woo type of screaming. So my voice is a little black. I feel like this happened before. So you guys get an idea of how I party, (laughs) sadly. But if you made your way back here of your own volition, thank you so much. I would love if you could take a moment to leave me a rating, a review, wherever you listen to your podcast. Truly appreciate any and all feedback. So thank you so much in advance. So I've been chomping at the bit to record this week's episode after doing all my research. I was so excited to share it with you guys. Before I even learned the details of this person's story, I've always found them to be so fascinating. But I definitely was most surprised to find out that they were a real person and not a god or a deity. Because originally, that's what I thought. I thought that they were a deity at least. So you guys already know I'm a raging hippie and exploring the many different schools of thought within philosophy is an avid hobby of mine, always has been. And the individual we'll be learning about today might be one of the most recognized spiritual figures in history, besides Jesus, of course. Their story is a bit of a combination of the mythical and the real world, as so many stories are from so long ago. Their teachings incorporate the metaphysical and the spiritual into one peaceful perspective of reality. This individual created a way of life that evolved into a religion, which was adopted by the world. And just as a reminder, I'm simply highlighting the facts and sharing these stories, but I really want you to focus on absorbing whatever principles in the story benefit you the most. This is about what you identify as the most helpful to yourself. So now without further ado, this week we'll be covering the enigmatic, the educator, the enlightened, Siddhartha Gautama, who is more widely known as the Buddha. Now, before we get into the Buddha story, I'd like to give a bit of context around the name Buddha. Buddha is a title in Sanskrit that literally translates to awakened or enlightened one. A Buddha isn't a particular person so much as a state of knowing. A person becomes a Buddha when they've reached a state of enlightenment and this isn't to be confused with a demigod or godlike ascension. A Buddha is an ordinary human being who has attained nirvana and is now teaching that path to others, translated as the Dharma. Buddhism teaches that a Buddha is born every eon to teach and show others the way. The Buddha I'll be discussing today is considered the original founder of Buddhism in our world, Siddhartha Gautama. Siddhartha was born between the 4th and 6th century in an area of India called Lumbini, which is now present-day Nepal. At his birth, seers that were present at his father's request predicted that Siddhartha would be a great political leader, such as a king, or a great spiritual leader to his people. Siddhartha's mother was a princess and his father was a chief of the Shakia clan, both noble titles within their community. Essentially, Siddhartha was born into a wealthy royal family and had access to all the luxuries that lifestyle entails. With this way of life also comes power, such as the power to shelter a child from the realities of everyday life, if you wished. If you have enough money, the agency is endless So I believe this part of the story might have some truth to it. Not to mention how the caste system works truly separates individuals based on their supposed value. Siddhartha's father made a conscious effort to shield Siddhartha from the truths of the world, specifically to hide the not-so-great realities of humanity that Siddhartha himself had never been exposed to. Siddhartha spent his childhood and early teens enjoying the lap of luxury and living the palace life. So living it up. He would even marry and have a son as per his royal duties, but was still kept completely separate from the outside world for more than a decade. Even Siddhartha himself would describe his personality during this time as spoiled and indulgent. It wasn't until Siddhartha reached young adulthood that he even considered venturing out into the outside world. But with maturity comes curiosity, and once Siddhartha reached a certain age, he hatched a daring plan to explore the outside world. Once Siddhartha was outside of the palace walls, it didn't take long for him to be hit with his first peak of suffering when he encountered a frail old man. Siddhartha asked his chariot driver, yes, basically brought along his chauffeur for this covert mission. This should demonstrate for you how sheltered this man really was. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to sneak out. Let me call the driver. (laughs) I would do that though. So let me not, let me not. (laughs) But Siddhartha asked his chariot driver, what ailment did the man have? His driver said he had no ailment. The man was simply aging. This was Siddhartha's first experience with understanding that people suffer to some extent. After this initial discovery journey, Siddhartha would go on many more exploratory rides, exposing himself to even more aspects of the human condition. In the following trips, Siddhartha encountered a man suffering from disease, a dead body, and an ascetic. An ascetic is a person who practices extreme self-denial with a focus on fasting and manual labor. So this individual was likely quite thin, something else Siddhartha had never witnessed, what lack looked like within humanity. Truly running the gambit in terms of people, but invariably, everyone he encountered was in some state of suffering, This event in Siddhartha's life is described as seeing the four sights, as he witnessed old age, disease, death, and lack with the ascetic. After experiencing life outside of the palace, and in particular, the suffering, Siddhartha decided that he needed to leave behind his worldly luxuries and become an ascetic himself. I will always respect a person who realizes that they need to improve and that growth requires removing yourself from comfort and familiarity. That is the core of growth. When I left my childhood home for the last time, I was 20 years old and I never looked back. The promise of becoming something better, something more outside of the stifling constraints of even a comfortable But painful home life, I mean, you have to leave. You have to leave when the pain of staying where you are is greater than the pain of venturing outside to an unknown world. But in Siddhartha's case, it's even more amazing as he left a life of essentially no struggles, only luxury. That takes a different level of willpower, and that's what makes his story so empowering. Siddhartha decided to leave his home leaving behind his royal family and his father's expectations. After departing the palace, Siddhartha cut his hair and changed into monk's robes in a nearby forest, then continued on his path to enlightenment. Siddhartha would study meditation under two different yogic schools, seeking fulfillment through meditation. In both instances, he would improve his meditative practices But was not happy with the caliber of results. After leaving the meditation schools, in which each one invited him to stay as a teacher, Siddhartha turned his attention to developing his ascetic rituals. This involved severe self-denial, such as fasting and breathing control, meant to moderate the individual's pleasures to the point of the edge of suffering. In this endeavor, Siddhartha had acquired followers who were eager to follow him on his ascetic path. After living this lifestyle of minimalism for some time, Siddhartha was weakened and demoralized. As he was lying on a road, looking famished and skeletal, a passing young girl would offer him food. This gift would revitalize Siddhartha, and he realized that extremes on either side of the spectrum were not the way. Instead, he believed he'd discovered the middle way, which was a balance of the two. After his latest failed journey into enlightenment, Siddhartha decides to try a technique that he'd learned as a young child, which was simply meditating under a tree until enlightenment found him. What I find most interesting about this is that Siddhartha, once he stopped chasing enlightenment, once he just sat down, things began to change. And I really love that concept. I'm, I work hard, okay? You guys think I'm screaming while I'm partying? I'm screaming twice as loud when I'm working because I'm super motivated. And it is difficult to kind of understand the concept of not chasing, do what you need to do, but also just take a seat and let it come to you. You've done everything you could do. You're taking all the right steps not frantically chasing it. Like the rat race. I just hate that concept. So I really, really love that this is kind of the origin story of Buddhism. He just sat under a tree. So Siddhartha resolved to meditate under the tree until he had reached nirvana, which would take several days. It was believed that this is where Siddhartha created the Four Noble Truths, which act as the pillars of Buddhism. Through diligent meditation and inner focus, Siddhartha achieved bliss and nirvana. He sat down under the tree as Siddhartha, but would arise as the Buddha. From henceforth in this story, Siddhartha will be referred to as Buddha or the Buddha. The Buddha would sit and enjoy nirvana for several more days before deciding to ultimately leave the tree and begin his trek and teachings. His soul's purpose was to teach others how to reach bliss and forgo suffering, to eventually reach nirvana and freedom on their own. The lessons of the Buddha center around the main themes of love, light, and honoring yourself and others. And one of the Buddha's main pillars is respecting and honoring the goodness in others, which required a complete rejection of the current Indian caste system. Almost unheard of at the time, the Buddha would pass his teachings along to royals and commoners alike, not allowing any discrimination in the attainment of enlightenment. Everyone had the ability to attain enlightenment if they sought it, which was quite the controversy. The Buddha even sought out to teach murderers and criminals, allowing them the ability to become awakened as well. As the Buddha traveled, so did his devoted followers, who would accompany him on his teaching treks. Even with his following growing and receiving invitations to royal events, as well as death threats from former followers, the Buddha would continue to teach anyone who was willing to learn all the way until his death. Also unique was the Buddha's approach to death and old age. With each passing year bringing him closer to the end, the Buddha made a point to outline doctrines for his followers to continue on without him. He didn't believe in strict rules, but simply guidelines to provide a way for those that came after him. The Buddha would travel and teach until he was literally too weak to stand, where he would stop and pass along his final instructions to his followers as well as complete his final meditation. The Buddha would pass away around the age of 80 from a case of food poisoning. But it was said that he instructed his followers to say that he died of old age. His final words were reportedly, strive for the goal with diligence. Be your own light. Like how freaking glorious is that? I mean, after his death, his followers held the first Buddhist council to review his teachings and doctrines, plus, begin the process of preserving them for the next generation. Many, many texts were created to document the Buddhist teachings, with each one outlining a different interpretation. The fluidity and nonconformity of Buddhism means that there are several iterations and practices. I wanted to outline the foundational four noble truths of Buddhism, the teachings that the Buddha absorbed while reaching enlightenment under the tree. Number one is the truth of suffering. Number two is the truth of the origin of suffering. Number three, the truth of the cessation of suffering. And number four, the truth of the path to the cessation of suffering. There are various other texts from the Buddhist teachings, or Dharma, which condemns killing any living creature, as well as embraces the ideas of reincarnation and the ultimate karma. Buddha also taught the Dharma, or teachings, of the Eightfold Path, which could be followed to transcend suffering. All in all, the Buddhist story is inspiring and encouraging for a number of reasons, but I'm sure you guys can guess why I love it so much. I honestly apply Buddhist teachings to my life on a daily basis. They are just that relevant and timeless. We can't avoid the suffering in life, but we can use it to transform ourselves into someone better. And I'd love to end this on one of the Buddha's lovely quotes because he truly had so many gems of wisdom. But this quote, especially coming from a place where I never felt loved or safe at home, which in turn translated into my own struggles for self-love that I'm still working through to this day. This quote is one I read often. It's a little reminder, and I'm so happy to share it with you. I would honestly recommend that you bookmark this episode so that you can also re-listen to this quote whenever you need a little bit of an extra oomph. You can search throughout the entire universe for someone who is more deserving of your love and affection than you are yourself, and that person is not to be found anywhere. You yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. So you can check us out at madeofmetalpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Made of Metal Podcast. I'm actually trying to cook up next month's giveaway, so stay tuned. Next episode, yes, stay tuned. I'm definitely going to be announcing the giveaway, so follow me on Instagram, and we can get it going. And as always, my loves, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak and be heard. It is so appreciated and you are so appreciated. And don't you ever forget to bloom where you are planted.